is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. It's Flyers Week, baby! The Penguins could win this opening round playoff series and lose their next series. And I wouldn't say I'd be okay with it, but I wouldn't be all that mad. If the Penguins did lose this series, I'd be pretty upset. Pens and Flyers will meet in the playoffs for the first time since the debacle in 2012. I think it was the low point in the Sidney Crosby era of Pittsburgh Penguins ice hockey. But since that moment, the Penguins have been to the conference final three times. They won the Stanley Cup twice. These Penguins aren't the mentally fragile group that took the ice against Philly five Aprils ago. Under Dan Bilesma, the Penguins would get rattled. They were also easily frustrated. This team, no, 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 no. Not so much. With Mike Sullivan at the helm, the Penguins' mantra is just play. And it works. That Philly team was good in 2012. They were the third highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. They also had a lot of success against the Penguins in the regular season. Not just in terms of results, but they could suck the Penguins into playing a fire wagon brand of hockey. And with their physicality, they would drive the Penguins effing insane. The Pens were 2-3-1 and one against the Flyers that year, but Pittsburgh's two wins weren't masterpieces either. One a 6-4 victory. In the other, in the last game of the regular season, which was meaningless. This year's bunch of Flyers isn't as good as that year's team. If you take away the loser point, they're 42-40. and 40. They're 12th in the league in goals per game. They're 14th in goals against. They're 16th on the power play and 29th on the penalty kill. They're average. The Penguins are 4-0 against them this year, scoring five goals in each of the contests that they played them. You might still have some PTSD when thinking back to 2012. These Penguins aren't anything like that group. And neither are the Flyers. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I am not feeling great. Stayed awake last night for a couple of hours in the middle of the night because I was having stomach cramps. But having stomach cramps for the last week and a half... If anybody has any idea of what that might be caused by, and don't say menstruation, let me know on Twitter or via the phone number. It's weird. I've also gone to the bathroom numero dos like eight times today. Kind of like the Penguins did all over themselves back in 2012. In 2012, the Penguins gave up more goals than they did their entire cup run in 2009. That is insanity. They gave up eight goals in back-to-back games. It was a special sort of awful. Without a doubt, that was the low point in the Sidney Crosby era. Sid passed the baton to Giroux as the best player in hockey, and we heard this damn goal song over and over and over again. Ugh. Giroux had 14 points in six games. In a game six, he leveled Crosby on the first shift and then scored a goal. It's the best Claude Giroux's ever played. Although he's having a really darn good season this year. It's been six years. Things change. Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, they're all around. Matt Reed's still there. Penguins have Crosby, Malkin, Latang too. But that's probably where the similarities end. In fact, the Penguins see dupe. 
And they raise you a party hard, bitches. You go back to 2012, James Neal was a loose cannon. He was capable of scoring unbelievable goals, but he'd also not be seen for games at a time. And he liked to knee guys in the head. His composure was Tasmanian devil-like, non-existent. Chris Letang is still good for a bad turnover now and again, and he will make some head-scratching plays, but we don't see him lose his mind like he did under Dan Bilesma. Marc-Andre Fleury was in the midst of the worst funk of his career, and he's no longer here in the Burr. And Matt Murray's proven himself as a playoff ace. Now, the Penguins' penalty kill hasn't been good since the trade deadline, but it's trending back up. They've killed six of their last seven. The Penguins allowed 11 power play goals in six games in the 2012 series. Woof. If one team's power play is likely to abuse the other, it's the Penguins. They're going to abuse the Flyers. They've scored on 26.2% of their power plays this season. That's the first in the league, and it's the best mark in the history of the franchise. And the Flyers are 29th in the National Hockey League, as I mentioned, on the penalty kill. Penguins have the advantage in center depth, in goaltending, in special teams. They're the better team. They were in 2012 as well, but Mike Sullivan will keep the team on point. Sully ain't going to let these Penguins blow their lids. Pens in five, baby. I have a buddy who loves the Penguins more than just about anything. But he hates the Flyers more than he loves the Penguins. And we were at the bar on Wednesday this last week, and he said, I don't think I can get fired up for a Penguins playoff series this year. They won the Cup the last two years. I'll be excited, he said, but it just doesn't feel the same. I'm looking for that next high. And sure, winning three in a row would be great, but he said none of them have felt like 2009. He said 2015 felt somewhat like it because you never knew if Crosby and Malkin were going to get back. And he says now he almost feels greedy asking for the three-peat. He texted me yesterday and said, F the Flyers, man, let's go. He's ready to rock. I think the Flyers are just what the doctor ordered for this town to get fired up about them playoffs. Sure, the Jackets are douchebags, and Brandon Dubinsky's a dink, and you didn't want to play the Washington Capitals until round two because that's the ceremonious exit that they're used to having. You needed Philly in round one. And really, this is the best possible scenario overall for the Penguins when you look at the playoffs. They have Philly in round one, then they have the winner of Columbus and Washington in round two. I think both Columbus and Washington are better than Philly, so one of them will get eliminated, and the Penguins have owned both teams in the playoffs. Not to mention New Jersey's on the other side of the bracket, and you're going to see Boston or Toronto eliminate themselves in round one. The Penguins could go to the Eastern Conference Final with only having to break a little bit of a sweat. I know that sounds arrogant. I know that sounds cocky. I know that sounds like a typical Penguins fan douchebag, but tell me I'm wrong. Derek Broussard was back at practice today. He's expected to go in game number one against Philadelphia Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's not official yet. Mike Sullivan said he wants to see how he progresses until tomorrow, but all signs point to Derek Broussard coming back for the Penguins, and that's a big deal. Broussard's got 55 points in 78 career playoff games. He's got 
0.59 points per game in the regular season and 0.7 points per game in the playoffs. These Penguins go all Super Saiyan when Shiz hits the fan. Phil Kessel, great regular season player, better playoff performer. Crosby has won the Conn Smythe in back-to-back years. Evgeny Malkin won the Conn Smythe in 2009. Brian Rust is Mr. Elimination Game. Jake Gensel led the league in goals last year in the playoffs. Patrick Hornquist will punch you right in the kisser and score a goal in the regular season. In the postseason, he'll chop your head straight off and then score a goal. These Penguins raise their game when the stakes are at their highest, and now they've added another player who does just that. Again, tell me how they're not going to go to the conference final. It could happen, sure. But I'm not betting against them. Put this one up on my Twitter poll, at underscore Adam Crowley. Do you believe in omens? On Friday, I was driving into the DVE morning show, and it was 5 in the morning, and I was half asleep, and the car in front of me's license plate ended with 666, and I have anxiety, and I'm superstitious, and I believe in God, and likewise the devil, so I'm like, God damn, that ain't good. Friday's radio show was the worst show that I've ever put on the air. Tom will attest to that. Brian will attest to that. Brian's off until Wednesday, by the way. And I thought, okay, 666, bad radio show, that's fine. I'm pumping gas then at the Kogos on the corner of South 10th Street and East Carson. Not the greatest area, not the worst area, but not a place where you want your car to break down. So after I pumped the gas, I tried to start the car, Brian and I coming back from the broadcast, and, well, that's the sound my car made. We sat there. From 7.18 until 10.45 when a tow driver finally got there to pick us up. During that time, some kid dressed up like Goku from Dragon Ball Z tried to jump my car. We saw a drug deal go down, and my God, I'm pretty sure I saw four different women with beards. Brian and I also got into a relationship fight, the first in our relationship, but we'll not go into that on the air. It tested my spirit. It tested his spirit. We didn't get back to the station for him to grab his car until about 11.30. Thanks to my wife. And thanks to Brian for not killing me on the scene. 51% of you say you don't believe in omens. 49% of you are correct. That was an omen. I needed to check myself. And it was a terrible way to start the weekend. Did get to listen to Mike Lang call a hockey game, though. There are worse things than that. Patrick Reed won the Masters. A little Freudian slip there. Patrick Weed. Rory McIlroy said that Reed would wilt under the pressure. He did not. The crowd was actually rooting for the Irishman instead of the local guy who went to Augusta College. Why? Because. Patrick Reed was a drunk in college. He got kicked out of the Georgia Golf Club, then had to come play at Augusta, where they did win back-to-back national championship. But apparently he always talked down to lesser teammates. The dude's D-back. I kind of relate to him. He's chunky. He typically sucks. 
but he thinks he's better than he is. It's exactly who I am. Not quite as chunky as Mr. Reed, but I feel like I was a similar young man in college. I'll root for him. I mean, I wanted Rory to win because I have an affinity for the Irish, but if it wasn't going to be Rory and it wasn't going to be Tiger, then I guess I'm okay with the guy who got yelled at in college for being drunk too much. By the way, the expectations for Tiger Woods were not fair. Going into Friday, I thought, okay, he could play his way back into it. Just get into the top ten by Sunday and make your charge. Why did I think that? That's not fair to Tiger. The dude's coming off of six back surgeries, knee problems, drug addiction, women addiction. His car got beat up by his wife. He hadn't done junk since then. And just because he performed well at the Valspar Championship, I was supposed to believe this guy was going to contend at Augusta National? What the hell was I thinking? But the whole country watched. Ratings are up 55% from last year, and it's the highest rating since 2015. You know who competed in 2015 in the Masters? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. You nailed it. Yes. Tiger's the draw, and I've heard a lot of golf people say over the last day plus now from last night that the reason people were so locked in was because Jordan Spieth was there at the end and because you had Rory McIlroy there at the end. I was watching for Spieth. I was watching for McIlroy. I'll always watch the final day of the Masters. But the casual fan, I don't think, was locking in for that. I think the casual fan stuck around for that. But the casual fan was lured in by the promise of Tiger Woods shooting a 69 on Sunday. Nice, Tiger, by the way. And then they hung around for the young stars. It's not like there haven't been young stars the last couple of years between 2015 and now when the ratings weren't all that good. So let's just throw that narrative right out the window. Busy show today. We got Matt Geica at 520 from PittsburghHockeyNow.com. We're pretty much going all pens, balls to the wall today. We've got Zach Aston Reese of the Pittsburgh Penguins coming up live at 5 o'clock. Looking forward to talking to him. First time we've had a Penguin on the show since I got the 4 o'clock slot. And then at 4.20, coming up in five minutes, we got Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll talk to Mackey about Penn's chances next. It's Crowley Show. The flowers are blooming. Birds are chirping. Everybody everywhere has a little more pep in their step. It's warming up, and there's work to be done. So come on, people, hop to. There's no time like springtime to stop into 84 Lumber to get everything you need to build that new deck or gazebo. Start now, and you'll be able to enjoy your new project all summer long. Visit 84lumber.com to find a store near you. Yeah, I mean, Drew's having a great year. But Malkin and Crosby are going to make him his bitch. I feel it, baby. Pens in five. Maybe four, even. I could see them sweeping these bastards. Maybe three. Could be three. Zach Aston Reese joining us at 5 o'clock here on the Crowley Show. Penguins Flyers Wednesday at 7. I am amped up because I hate those bastards. Joining us now to talk about it, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can hear Jason tonight at 7 o'clock live from the saloon in Mount Lebanon talking with our man Phil Bork. That is at the saloon, correct? 
that is at the saloon, you're uh, your stomping grounds, pal. Come on up and hang. I might have a couple of pops. I think there I am going to do that, in fact. No one's going to show up. Man. Love that show. Love, love our uh, Monday night party time with Porky. Yeah, you guys kill it. It's a really good program, so that'll be coming up today after this show. And if I show up, no one will show up for you guys, so maybe I'll actually just rescind my offer now. <laughs> oh, man. Every time we go in there, though, that place is packed. They, they, you know this. You grew up in, in Lebo. They make a killing, man. Every time we're in there, it's just I'm thankful they, they take such good care of us and, like, wait on us and get us stuff because it, uh, it is not barren. Jason, the Penguins get the Flyers in round one. This is evoking memories for people from 2012, some PTSD. But I don't think that that has any place in this series. I don't think it really needs to be all that much of a talking point after we see the puck get dropped the first time because I just don't think things are going to play out remotely like they did in 2012. I agree with you, Adam. I was looking at some stuff this afternoon um, in in that vein, and um, I didn't even know this. It kind of blows my mind. Zach Ronaldo, one, was on that team. Um, you had the guys you expect and know about in Hartnell and Wayne Simmons. And then guess who else was on that team? Tom Sestito. I, I didn't even grab wow. that. And, I mean, that was like total goon squad stuff. They had like 1,300 penalty minutes, a number that nobody has even come close to this year. Uh, I mean, that Flyers team was made to do what they did in that series, and the Penguins lost their cool, and they were a younger, more immature team. Um, The guys that are around, I think, have grown up, and a lot of the guys that were on that team aren't here now. So I don't expect any of that funny business. I think the Penguins are much better keeping their wits about them. I think Mike Sullivan has done a tremendous job, um, you know, with the just play mantra. And they're not perfect. They have their issues. Uh, but in ter- you know, when they- I think it's interesting. We can sort of compare now to then. It's night and day. Uh, they're a much different, more disciplined team. They are, and I know that that has to do with Mike Sullivan. I also think it just happens. With age, you start to get a little bit more mature. Uh, these Penguins just don't come unglued the way that that Penguins club came unglued. And frankly, the Flyers aren't going to stir things that way either, like you alluded to. I think this series is pretty simple uh, as far as I'm concerned, Jason. I think if the Crosby line can take that Giroux-Couturier line out of its game or at least play him even, that the Penguins are just going to be able to feast uh, in their other matchups. Because I just don't think, while Philly is deep, I don't think they're anywhere near as deep as the Penguins are on those top three lines. No, well, you know, the top three lines are okay for Philly. I just feel like, you know, defensively they're not great, number one. I feel like somewhere the Penguins are going to have an advantageous matchup. Like, I do kind of see this thing being a little bit high scoring. I have respect for Giroux and Voracek and Couturier and Konechny. These guys are good hockey players. That's a very good offensive team, but... um you know, are they going to outscore the Penguins? No. Do they have anybody on the back end who's going to be able to even remotely handle Geno's line? Or if Broussard comes back, what he and Phil might do. They just don't. You know, their second defense pairing is who? Travis Sandheim and Andrew McDonald? Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I You know, I love Provorov and Gostas Behar as much as the next guy, but they're a, maybe a number one. I, they're not a... You know, probably a two or three on a better team, but, um, you know, Philly's light on defense. They're light defensively when you talk about forwards. So, um, you know, depth is going to play out, I think, here over seven games. I don't even think it'll get to seven games. 
Broussard going to be back for game one, it seems? Indeed, sir. So that means that it wasn't a total failure, that trade with Ian Cole. <laughs> well, Ian Cole did ruin the Penguins' uh, post-trade deadline. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> concoct some sort of sarcastic thing. But, yeah, it's, it's funny how the Penguins, like, hit a little bit of a rough patch on the penalty kill slash overall, and all of a sudden people are, why they make that trade? Riley Shane was fine. You know, it's the same sort of thing, like, Matt Murray struggles in goal, and they say, why didn't they keep Marc-Andre Fleury? It's, it's just revisionist history that just makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, Derek Broussard is really starting to figure it out. Derek Broussard is a tremendous playoff player, one of the best in the game right now. He is a guy that is just a stupidly good weapon on the third line when they have him and everything is clicking, which it just about was before he got hurt. So, you know, he's going to be back, and I really look for that line, him and Phil, um, to take advantage of a lot of very good matchups that they could see in this series, the next, the Eastern Conference Finals, they need, they need Persaud. This is so cliche, Jason, but I think that it's true when it comes to this Penguins team. They've got so many guys who just are playoff performers. Uh, Phil Kessel's a great regular season player. He's a hell of a postseason player. Patrick Hornquist, he'll smack you in the face with a stick in the regular season, but he's going to cut your head clean off in the playoffs. That guy was working so hard. Brian Rust has been Mr. Elimination Game. Jake Gensel last year led the playoffs in goals. Sidney Crosby's won the Conn Smythe two years in a row. Gino won it before. We know Matt Murray's played really well in the playoffs. Now you add Broussard, a guy who steps his game up. I'm not saying that the Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup for the third year in a row. I'm not even going to predict that, I don't think, in all likelihood. But I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around them getting eliminated. And I'm having a hard time seeing what would eliminate them just because of everything I just said. These guys always seem to find a way, and they certainly have these last two years. I agree with you, Adam. I agree with you 100%. When I, I look at this team, I see nothing that can stop them other than, well, two things, and it's not another team. It's themselves. If they decide they're going to be careless and they're not going to tighten up defensively and they're going to allow far too much, or if somebody gets hurt. Threes um, are obviously a, always a game changer, and I look at their defense, and it does scare me. Um, if they have one, I think they'll be okay. If they have two, I think they're really in trouble. Yeah. Um, and that's the only thing that I can say that would stop this team. I mean, you went down the list of all of these guys that have proven playoff histories, and you can count on even if one or two don't produce, there's four or five that can produce right behind. Um, even I think their fourth line is a little bit lighter than it's been the past two years. I don't know if that matters because the top nine is so darn good. But, again, I look at do they beat themselves with too many turnovers or stupid mistakes, or do they get hurt? And those are the only two things I see knocking them out of this thing. Let's talk a little bit about the Flyers' biggest weakness, and that's the penalty kill. They're 29th in the National Hockey League. The Penguins, of course, first in the NHL, and they set the franchise record, which I think speaks to how good they are, given the history of this club, that they were able to set the record this year. I mean, that's insane to me. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, that was 95-96, I believe you said that. And it, what they did this season is the best mark since then in a full season. The only other one was the Capitals in the lockout year. I think we're at like 26.8. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is legit. And I really do think, Adam, that this whole series is going to hinge on special teams, and not so much as it did back in 2011-2012, uh, but just 
the way these teams are built and their strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, Philly has been on a better run. Um, recently killing penalties, ballparking it since about March. They've been, you know, at or near, you know, I would say top third of the league. Um, they haven't been as bad as they were early in the year and especially in like December, January. But they're getting better. Are they good enough to, to counter what the Penguins have on the power play? No. I don't think so, and the Penguins are heating up and, and really have been hot the entire season, but have looked especially proficient lately. Uh, the Penguins can win this series on the power play. They simply can, and I guess the other side of that coin, too, is the Penguins' penalty kill hasn't been perfect either. Um, they've shown some signs. Two out of the past three, they've been perfect, but this is also a good flower, flowers, flyers power play we're dealing with here. Um, they're going to have a tough task. They are, and I was wondering, in your opinion, Jason, and what you're hearing in the locker room, do they feel like they're getting closer to uh, being where they want to be on the penalty kill? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They're very happy with where they are on the penalty kill. A lot of the stuff that we've heard over and over is, you know, let's say they have six minutes of penalties to kill. They kill about five minutes and 50 seconds of it. It's the 10 seconds that prove really costly, and we've seen a lot of that lately. They're Excellent. And then all of a sudden they make one big boneheaded mistake and it's end up in the back of their net. Um, a lot of times you can not look that great on the penalty kill and get away with it. And they did for portions of it. I don't know the exact dates, Adam, but you know, there was a, a, a sizable chunk in the middle of the season where the Penguins penalty kill could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of paying for it right now. And so, you know, one or two slip ups is getting them, but. At the same time, they're still putting in the effort. A lot of times the process is good, and we've seen the process lately be even better. When you watch the penalty kill, the stuff you're going to look at is pressure in the puck. How many times, you know, is it not one guy but two guys or maybe three or four guys? Um, if they get their stick on a puck with a potential clear, they don't flub it. They don't hit an opponent's stick. They don't, you know, make a bad read and the opposing team's able to keep it in or something like that, just getting clear, and they've done a much better job with that stuff. Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, joining me here on the Crowley Show. You and I have similar viewpoints as it relates to Matt Murray and how he's going to play. Did not have the best season, but obviously dealt with a lot this year. Uh, I expect him to be good in the playoffs, and when you look at what he did against Columbus, sure, that first goal, not good, but he also made some 10-bell saves in that game, and when the Penguins can score the way that they can, he doesn't need to be perfect every night. He just needs to make the big saves, and I think he's going to be able to do that. Yeah, I agree with you, pal. Um, I'll have a good one for you tomorrow morning in my 20 thoughts. I nice. talked to Matt one-on-one for a while today, and he was, uh, he, was, he was Matt Murray at his finest. He remains one of my favorite quotes to ever deal with, and um, you know, I, I ran a few things by him, but the basic gist of it was he didn't have a great regular season. He's not entirely thrilled with people doubting him. Um, and he had some interesting words for his performance in the postseason, how much he enjoys playing postseason hockey. Um, another thing that came up in there was his ability to sort of focus on the present and be, um, he keeps using the word be in the present, but live in the moment disappear into the game, whatever sort of term you want to use. And Matt does a tremendous job of that, doesn't think about stuff in the past very often. A lot of it, what he was telling me today, is something as simple as breathing techniques and feeling like air filling up your lungs and focusing on where you're breathing, where and how you're breathing with your nose and your mouth and the whole sort of process of it. It's amazing when you think about that stuff, how much the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. So 
Anyway, I know you like the 20 thoughts. I love doing them. Yes, There's some sir. strong stuff in there from Murray coming tomorrow morning. 9 a.m.? Uh, yeah, it's probably a 9 a.m. Or I, I haven't gotten a chance to write it yet. i got to do the radio show and hopefully see my family for a minute or two. I might, <laughs> might write it tonight. might get up early tomorrow and do it. This is Jason Mackey, the procrastinator here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jason, who the hell's playing goalie for the Flyers? Uh, they've had a revolving door there, and not, none of them really, the three guys that, that I've seen, I think Jake Gellich's probably going to be the guy. None of them have really had great numbers this year. Who is that going to be the guy? Jake Elliott, right? <laughs> Jake Elliott, Brian Elliott. It doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't, <laughs> but I just thought you were doing a, a Flyers joke where you you know, it's just it's going to be in there, you know, and you, like, sneeze and make a noise into your arm or something. It could kind of work with the fly. It could be Hextall, for all I know. It could. It might. It, maybe it should be Hextall. I think they might be onto something there. Um, it's going to be Brian Elliott to start, but, but, you know, like I'm giving you a hard time with it, it could be anybody. Peter Morazic could end up in there by game three. Um, I believe Norbert is hurt. Um, um, it, regardless, he hasn't been good enough for it to really matter. Um it, Elliot has had some success in the postseason, but not consistent. I wrote something today that he has won or lost 22 of 41 starts. I, whatever. It's a bunch of numbers. He hasn't been good in the postseason. Um, I don't think any goaltender the Penguins see is really going to matter here, um, especially with the Flyers. They've steamrolled Bobrovsky. They've steamrolled um, Braden Holtby. They could be seeing Grubauer if they get through to the next round. I mean, They've beaten a lot of goaltenders. Uh, Brian Elliott's not about, you know, they should, he shouldn't scare people. Well, that's just it, right, Jason? A lot of people are talking about the Penguins goaltending and the doubting of Matt Murray. You and I do not subscribe to that, but they don't look at who the Penguins will be facing. I'm far more worried if I'm a Philadelphia fan about their goaltending situation. I'm far more concerned if I'm a Columbus fan about Bobrovsky against the Penguins in the playoffs, and if I'm a Capitals fan, if it's the Penguins again, well, I've given up hope anyhow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just funny. That's sort of what I went at Matt today with the idea of, because I know you probably get it on your show, I get it on Twitter or emails or chats or whatever, so what's wrong with Matt Murray? Matt Murray, Matt Murray, like, one, what else are you going to do? I mean, I'm not going to bench Matt Murray and put in Tristan Jari or Casey Smith. No offense to Tristan or Casey. And two, what are we really doubting here? The guy has never not ended an NHL season with the Stanley Cup. You know, it's sort of like the geniuses that go and go after Mike Sullivan and say he like doesn't know what he's doing as a coach and his lines stink and why is he doing this and why is he doing that? Well, the guy's eight for eight in playoff series. I think he might be doing something okay. Matt Murray's finished two seasons in, in the NHL, and he's won two cups. Like, I, I think he might have somewhat of an idea what he's doing. Um, and so that's why I don't worry about Murray at all. I look at the other goalies they're going to face, and that's why I said what I said. I don't, I don't worry about that. I mean, if they get into um, the Eastern Conference Final, I mean, maybe we worry about, like, Tuka Rask or Andre Vasilevsky or something like that, or, you know, they abused Pekka Rene or um, you know, maybe if it's the Stanley Cup final, we talk about Hellebuck or Flurry, but that's all down the line. Uh, right now, the Penguins have one of the best horses in the race, and I think people should realize that. Jason, really good stuff, man. We look forward to, if you write them, I mean, my gosh, your 20 thoughts tomorrow morning. Thanks for coming on, and we'll listen to you tonight. All right, pal. Thanks. Be good. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I do love the 20 thoughts. Uh, he has freedom to 
go into great detail about a whole lot of junk. And it's not behind a paywall. And that's no offense to anybody out there who is behind a paywall because there is so much quality Penguins coverage in this town. But uh, it's accessible and it's excellent. And you can listen to Jason tonight at 7 o'clock for Along the Boards with our man, Phil Bork. Coming up next, Mark Bergevin, the general manager of Montreal, is a dumbass, and I'll tell you why the playoffs could not have set up any better for these Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to The Crowley Show. No Pirates right now because their game against the Cubs has been snowed out. Meanwhile, on the south side, them White Sox, they're playing their baseball game. Hey, Cubs, did your, uh, your balls drop off air? So soft. And they're scared of your buckos. You're 7-2, Pittsburgh Pirates. Going to hear from my grandma at about 5.40 here today on the show. She's fired up about the Pirates, so much so that it's making me actually root for the team again. Not going to go, but I am rooting for him again. We've got Zach Aston Reese coming up in 16 minutes here on the Crowley Show as he previews the Penguins-Flyers playoff series. Man, this series couldn't have set up any better for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And really, the playoffs overall. Think about it. Penguins get to play the Flyers. We know this. It's what I've wanted to see for a long time. Tom was saying during the break that the Penguins fan base for the last couple of months has kind of fretted about who they might play. Oh, it could be New Jersey. Oh, boy, they could wind up on the Atlantic side of the bracket. What if they play Boston? What if they play Tampa? Oh, my God, Columbus is getting hot. They might have to play them. They could play Washington in round one. And it was all for naught because they're playing the Flyers first. And they're 4-0 and against the Flyers, having scored five goals in each of those games. While the Penguins have played well against Columbus and Philly, the Jackets are the better of the two teams, so the Penguins get the best matchup they wanted to in round one, and Washington and Columbus get to beat the bleep out of each other. And one of those teams will get knocked out. If the Jackets win, I feel confident in the Penguins' abilities to solve Bobrovsky and move to the conference final. If the Capitals win, well, the Penguins have owned them their entire existence. New Jersey was a team that did scare me. They were a thorn in the side of the Penguins all season long, but they're in the Atlantic side of the bracket, and the Pens wouldn't play them until the conference final. Spoiler alert, they ain't going to be waiting there. Tampa's going to get a handful out of New Jersey in round one. I think that they win the series in six or so games, but they're going to get pushed. And New Jersey's 3-0 against Tampa this year. I like that Tampa won the Atlantic because I think Boston's the team from that side that would give the Penguins the most trouble. Toronto's going to be a tough out for them. So that's what you want to see. Toronto gives Boston a run, maybe eliminates Boston, and the Penguins don't have to deal with them at all. I think Penns fans should hope to play Toronto or Tampa in the conference final should it go that far. The Penguins, to a man, enjoy playing Tampa because it's an offensively oriented game. Same would hold true for Toronto. I don't think things could have worked out any better for the Penguins in their hope to three-peat. Sorry about that, Adam. Sometimes I get so confused with all these buttons back here and shiny lights and bells and whistles. I don't even know if I'm on the air now. But anyway, like I said, we'll start things off in Chicago, where I guess the Cubs are in an extended hibernation state. 
Pirates Cubs delayed. They'll play tomorrow at 2.20. On the south side, the White Sox try to avoid a Steve Irwin situation while they swim with the Rays. They're currently getting stung 5-3 to three in the bottom of the sixth. And later on tonight, the D-Bags will try to make the Giants look like dwarfs. Zach Godley on the bump for the D-Bags. Derek Holland goes for the Giants. Derek Holland, they call him the Dutch oven, Adam. I guess it's just because he stinks, but I don't know. Back to you. Hmm. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. This is the five minute major with Adam Crowley. The Penguins have playoff performers you can count on. The Flyers, they've got a couple of guys that scare you Giroux, Voracek, Wayne Simmons, Konechny. They're all good players, but I'm taking Pittsburgh every time. Sidney Crosby's won back to back Conn Smythe trophies. Evgeny Malkin won the Conn Smythe in 2009. He led the Penguins in playoff scoring last year. Phil Kessel, a great regular season player, had 45 points in 49 career Penguins playoff games. He's even better in the postseason. Jake Gensel led the playoffs in goal scoring last year. Broussard averages 5.9, or pardon me, .59, that would be amazing, .59 points per game in the regular season and .7 points per game in the playoffs. Brian Rust is Mr. Elimination Game. Patrick Hornquist scored the game-winner in Game 6 of the Cup Final last year. The Penguins are chock-full of experience and talent. The Flyers, they've got talent, no doubt. They've also got 11 players who've scored 10 or more goals this year, but they'll start a rookie, two rookies, in fact, on the second line, Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom. They're good players, but they've never been here before. The Penguins, to a man, know how to get it done. This series kind of reminds me of Penguin Senators in 2007. Now, it's Penn's Flyers, so the hatred is there. But the Flyers are young and talented. They're going to be a problem in the next handful of years. But it's not their time just yet. I think the key to the entire series, apart from goaltending and special teams, because you can always factor that in, is if Crosby's line can neutralize or produce on par with the level of the Giroux-Couturier line. If that's the case, the Penguins are going to win this series comfortably. They get a lot of offense throughout their entire lineup, but right now their play is being driven by that Giroux line. If Crosby can just play him even, kind of like they did in the playoff series against Washington two years ago, Penguins are going to be more than great. And I think that the Flyers are going to be a bitch in a couple of years. I think Lindblom's a really good player. I think that Nolan Patrick is outstanding, but they're not ready yet. They're going up against the team that, more than any other team in the league, knows how to get the job done, has been there before. And whenever you've got young players who are counted upon to play big-time minutes on that second line, I think you've got to go with the experience factor. I mean, who would you rather have? Their second line or Malkin and Haglin and Hornquist? I mean, hell, Haglin sealed the deal right after Patrick Hornquist sealed the deal last year in game number six. God bless the Flyers. You're not going to hear me say that often. But I think it's going to be a team that's overmatched after the first lines cancel each other out. And the penalty kill, 
It's a disaster for Philadelphia. 29th in the National Hockey League. 29th against the best power play that the Penguins have put out on the ice in franchise history. We're not going to see as many penalties be called. They tend to dry up a little bit in the playoffs. But again, all it takes is a goal, a game, on the power play. And the Penguins, who are still, I think, a better team 5-on-5, will have all the advantage they need. Now, you hope the Penguins' penalty kill can play a little bit better. You hope that Matt Murray can play his game, but I said this last week. We tend to overanalyze and microanalyze our teams. The Steelers this year got overanalyzed. Their tackling's bad. Their defense is bad. And yeah, those things were true, but same things wound up being true about the New England Patriots, but you didn't hear Boston fans bitch about that because they're the Patriots and, well, they're going to win because they got Tom Brady. Well, everyone's zooming in, looking at these Penguins under the microscope, and they're saying, well, their defense core is not that great, and Matt Murray hasn't played good hockey all season long, and maybe those things are true. I tend to think that the defense core right now is better than the one they had last year. I love their top four, and I happen to have faith in Matt Murray. But if you're one of the people who doesn't, okay, fine. Do you have more faith in Philadelphia's? Do you think that Philadelphia's defense core is better than Pittsburgh? Spoiler alert, it's not. You think that Philadelphia's got better goaltending than the Pittsburgh Penguins? They don't. So if you go series by series, and you start looking at the teams the Penguins could possibly match up against, you have to like what the Penguins bring to the table. If it's Columbus in the second round, you trust Bobrovsky more than you trust Matt Murray? (laughs) I know I don't. Do you trust Braden Holpe? No. How can you? The guy didn't get out of the second round. Not all his fault, but there are problems there. The Jackets, sure, they won 13 of their final 16 games before the meaningless game on the last day of the regular season, but they also were down three goals in three of the four games down the stretch. They've got their flaws. Philadelphia has a bunch of flaws. They're 42-40 and if you take away the loser point. The Washington Capitals, as I mentioned, they've been out of the second round of the playoffs since, what, 1998? You might think the Penguins are flawed, and you'd be right. It's a salary-capped league. But so are Washington. So's Columbus. So's Philadelphia. Boston's still young. Bruce Cassidy's been talking about that a bunch. Tampa Bay has played bad hockey down the stretch. New Jersey is young. Toronto's young. Now, at some point, one of those young teams, quote-unquote, needs to break through. The Penguins were young until they weren't, right? But they've all got flaws. They've all got warts. And just because you watch your Penguins week in, week out, day in, day out, game in, game out, doesn't mean that their problems are any greater than anybody else's. I hate the phrase, I don't see a team beating them four out of seven times. But with this Penguins team, I know it's possible that they can lose. But the way that their players rise to the occasion, I'm going to have to see it before I can actually believe it. There's your five-minute major. Coming up next, Zach Aston Reese. Will he be playing on the Penguins' fourth line? 
come playoff time. We'll talk to him about that. And he grew up watching this Penguins-Flyers rivalry. What side was he on? Talk to him about it. It's a Crowley Show.